hallelujah to the lamb. I praise God for his favor on us, how he blesses me and blesses you that God has not forgotten about us. He's still in the blessing business. And let me say thank you for all of you who's a part of Easter Star Church. And we've been fasting and praying. Then we're coming down uh, to the to the final stretch of the fasting and praying. We go all the way through Palm Sunday to midnight on Palm Sunday. So thank you. And those who who uh, didn't quite make it the 40 days, you can still join in right now. God will still honor your fasting. He will still honor your praying. And I know that God has heard us and I can't wait to hear the testimonies and the stories that you have about how God has been moving in your life. Now let's get to God's word. I'm going to ask if you would open your Bibles to the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 15 is where we're going to go. And I'm going uh, to begin reading at verse 33. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 33. This is the New Living Translation. Listen to what God's word says. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. I want to talk about lessons in darkness, that there are some valuable lessons that God wants to teach you and I in the midst of difficulty, devastation, and darkness. Lessons in darkness. There are some flowers and plants and shrubs that only blossom and bloom. They only flourish. They only expand in the dark. They are nocturnal. They don't expand and blossom in the sunshine. They do it in the dark. That's why God can't allow it to be sunshine always because there are parts of creation that only blossom and bloom in the dark flowers like the evening primrose or flowers like the night bloom water lilies or like the moon flowers or like the night gladiolas or like the Casablanca lilies that these are beautiful flowers they flourish they bloom but not in the sunshine they only expand in the dark. And it's, it's not just flowers and plants and shrubs, but God also has certain types of birds that they operate better in the night, in the dark. Birds like bats and birds like owls. Bats and owls do a whole lot better in the dark. And not just with bats and birds and flowers, but we have some nocturnal dogs too. Some people think their dogs are lazy. They just mope around all day and they sleep all day and they don't move all day. But then in the night, they get up and they move and they're lively. They're nocturnal. They do better in the dark. And that's why God can't let the sun shine always because there are some nocturnal creations. And I believe not only animals and birds and flowers, but also I believe we have what I call nocturnal Christians that we don't move so well with God in the sunshine when the bills are paid and when the children are on the honor roll and the family's doing good and you in good health and got money in the bank. We don't move so well with God during those times. But in the dark, uh, that's, that's when we fast. That's when we pray. That's when we call on the Lord. That's when we seek God. That's when we move after God uh, because some of us are nocturnal Christians. We just do better 
in the dark. Here in Mark chapter 15, verse 33, Jesus is dying on the cross. And as Jesus is dying on the cross, he's dying to pay the penalty for our sins. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve to die. The reason why we have not died is because Jesus died in our place. And as he was dying on the cross, the word of God teaches us that it got dark. King James Version said from the sixth to the ninth hour. That's from 12 noon to three o'clock. And I want to remind you, it was already bad before it got dark. Jesus had already had people manipulating him and already had people falsely accusing him and lying about him. It was already bad before it got dark. He already had one friend to deny him three times, another friend to betray him, even with a kiss. And then the officers, the soldiers came and arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane while he's praying. It was already bad before it got dark. He was taken from judgment hall to judgment hall, from Pilate to Herod, Herod back to Pilate. And then even though he was found innocent, he was treated like he was guilty. It was already bad before it got dark. They had already whipped Jesus and beat him and nailed him to the cross and raised that cross. It was already bad. Then it got dark. It went from bad to worse. And we're living in a, in a dark time in our nation. We're living in a dark time in this world. But if we'll be honest, for so many of us, it was bad even before it got dark. People talking about how unemployment has increased. Some of us were already unemployed. It was bad before it got dark. People talking about how companies are closing and businesses. Are, some of our businesses were already closing. Even before it got dark, it was already bad. People talking about the sickness that is going around. Some of us were already sick. Even before it got dark, it was already bad. And you know, it just seems to me that when you have problems, it just seems to be worse in the dark. And there Jesus is dying on the cross for our sins. And even as he's dying on the cross, it gets dark from noon to three. And I can understand darkness and I can deal with darkness, but y'all, it was dark from noon to three. That's the time it's supposed to be the brightest. And so here it is now. It's the darkest at a time it's supposed to be the brightest. As some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You worked hard at high school and there was time for you to graduate and, and go on to college you've been accepted to. It's supposed to be the brightest. And now you can't even get to school with your friends to close out your semester. Now they won't even allow you to walk across that stage to get your diploma. You can't even go to the freshman orientation at the college you've been accepted to because it's supposed to be the brightest, but it's the darkest what it's supposed to be the brightest. Here you finished college and found a job in your own, in your field. It's the first real job you've ever had to pay you some real money, give you benefits and room for advancement. As soon as you get that job, then things got dark. They say, well, we're going to hold on to you, but we can't pay you right now. And things are the darkest at the time it's supposed to be the brightest. And here you started your company. You, the chief executive officer, president of your own company, took you two years to get that thing running right. And now it was just now taken off. And right at the time things supposed to be the brightest, you had to shut it down because it's the darkest when it's supposed to be the brightest. That's what's going on with Jesus as he's dying on the cross and it got dark 
from 12 noon to three o'clock. And I want you to hear what it says in Mark chapter 15, verse 34. In verse 34, it says, then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is dying on the cross and it got dark and on the heels of that darkness. He says, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you separated from me? And I want to make this clear, too, that God had not abandoned Jesus. God had not forsaken Jesus. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But what happened? It got so dark until it felt like God had forsaken him. We know God had not forsaken Jesus. It's impossible for God to forsake Jesus because the Apostle Paul says that uh, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Well, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God because you can't steal what already belongs to you. He is God. God didn't forsake him. God, because God, Pastor Michael Johnson says, you cannot turn your back on yourself. You can turn your back on your friends. You can turn your back on your enemies. You can turn your back on your coworkers, your family, but you cannot turn your back on yourself. God had not forsaken Jesus because it's impossible to turn your back on yourself. But the darkness was so bad until it felt like God had forsaken him. In the book of Exodus, God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And God sent 10 plagues to help Pharaoh to let God's people go. And one of the plagues was darkness. And in Exodus chapter 10, it says that it got so dark in Egypt that you could feel the darkness. And that's where some of us are right now. That things are so difficult, so devastating, so dark that it feels like God has abandoned you. It feels like God has forsaken. God has not forsaken you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It just feels like that's why you and I, we don't walk by sight. As Christians, we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by our faith. We trust that God is going to be with us and God will never leave us and that God will never forsake us. And understand too, y'all, even though it's gotten dark, you don't have to jump off a bridge. You don't have to turn to drugs and alcohol. You don't have to give up on light. We serve a God that can handle darkness. Matter of fact, our God has done some of his best work in the dark. In Genesis chapter one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved and God spoke. Even in darkness, God moved and God spoke and brought order out of chaos because God has done some of his best work in the dark. Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat and go over to the other side of this body of water. Jesus was going to meet up with them later. As they went in the boat, there was a storm that came on the body of water. And Jesus was walking on the water. And Jesus walked out to them and he calmed the storm. And the gospel writer said it was in the fourth watch of the night because God does some of his best work in the dark. Paul and Silas were in that that prison, that jail, because of their preaching and teaching in Philippi, they got locked up and they begin to pray and sing. And the Bible says at midnight, that's when an earthquake came and the jailhouse rock and it, it 
freed Paul and Silas and it freed the other prisoners because God does some of his best work in the night. When Peter was locked in prison, they had already killed James. Now Herod was coming back to try to kill Peter, threw him in prison. He was chained to guards. And, and in the night, the Bible says that God sent an angel and those chains fell off and the, the jail door opened and Peter went on into prison we came on out of the prison through that open door because God does some of his best work in the dark. And here is Jesus dying on the cross. That's some of God's best work, paying the penalty for our sins. And it was in the dark. And in your life and in mine, in the difficulty, in the devastation, in the dark, we need to understand that God does some of his best work. And matter of fact, this is the time for us to stand back and watch God work. Let's go to, to Mark chapter 15, verse 38. I want to show you some of the, the lessons that we learn in the darkness. Verse 38 says, And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Here at the, uh, at the heels of the darkness when Jesus had died, it says that in the temple of God, there was a veil there and the veil was torn from top to bottom, a, a huge curtain in the temple and it was torn from top to bottom. Now, let me explain what this curtain is all about, uh, that it, the temple was huge. The temple was very, very big and the temple had different sections to it. So when you see the temple, uh, it has the outer courts or anybody could go there. Jewish men and women, non-Jewish men and women, children could go. Anybody could go to the outer courts. Then when you went into the temple, into the inner courts, only Jewish men and Jewish women could go into the inner courts. Then there's another section. The further you went in, the more people were excluded. Now you get to the holy place. In the holy place, only Jewish men and the priests could go to the holy place. And then there was a huge curtain that divided the holy place from the most holy place, from the holy of holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And there was a huge curtain that divided the holy place from the most holy place, the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God rested. And only the high priest could go beyond that curtain. And the high priest would go beyond that curtain and he would go in there and he'd sacrifice an animal for the atonement of the people and the forgiveness of sin in the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross in that darkness, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. And that was really helping us to understand that we don't need a high priest to get into the presence of God. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a pope. We don't need a preacher. We don't need a pastor. We don't need a potentate. That doesn't mean that we don't need these gifts. We do need them, but not just to get into the presence of God. We need them for the edifying and the building up of the body of Christ, but not to get into God's presence because the veil of the temple was torn. The, the curtain was torn. So now you and I have access to the presence of God and we didn't have that access Till it got dark. That's what we learned. That's the lesson we learned that now we have access into the presence of God that we would not have had had it not gone dark. And in that darkness, God tore that that veil up, that curtain up. And and it says it was torn from top to bottom. The old black preacher says 
It was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't torn from bottom to top. Had it been torn from bottom to top, then someone would have said a man did it or a woman did it. It was torn from top to bottom that now we know that God wants us to come freely to his throne and enter into the presence of God. And that access is there out of the darkness. That curtain was torn. Now in the 21st century, it's not a curtain that stands between us and the presence of God, but sometimes it's cars and sometimes it's condos and sometimes it's creature comforts and sometimes it's our career and sometimes it's cash and sometimes it's crowds that stand between us and the presence of God. Maybe God is allowing it to get dark so he can tear up what stands between us and his presence. And I believe you will agree with me that anything that stands between us and the presence of God needs to be torn up. And God tore that veil so that we could enter into the presence of God. So all of those who are wondering, why did Jesus come to die on the cross? What is that all about? Well, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that sin has separated us from God. And the only way we could get back to God is with the work Jesus did on Calvary and in the resurrection. So Jesus came and he died on the cross to get us into the presence of of God. Uh, It was, I believe it was 2009 when Serena, Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player that's ever played male or female. And in 2009, she was ranked number one in the world and she was playing in Doral against the number 14th. Bad. She was losing. She was being defeated. And you know she can't hide it. She, it's all over her face. She's so frustrated. She's being defeated. She's losing to what she believes is a lesser player. And she's getting beat so bad that it's five love. Now, those of you who don't know a lot about tennis, uh, tennis is the only place that love is bad. It was five love. She was losing five zero. And that was the time when her dad, Richard Williams, would sit real high up in the stands and watch his daughter play. But when he saw his daughter getting defeated so bad, Richard Williams, her father, came all the way from the top of the stadium, all the way down courtside. And he didn't say anything to his daughter. He just positioned himself so that Serena could see her father when she served. And when she saw her father, when she served, man, her game stepped up and she was able to win that set. Matter of fact, she won that set 7-5 and then went on to win the match and held on to her number one ranking. She got the victory all because her father, who gave her life, brought her into the world and who taught her and coached her and trained her, came all the way from the top, all the way down to where his daughter could see him when she served. You want to know what happened with Jesus? That God was all the way up in heaven and we were living defeated lives. And God had brought life to us and he'd given us prophets and teachers and the Torah and the Pentateuch and the law. And we were still living defeated lives. And so God wrapped himself up in humanity, was born of a virgin and came all the way down here so that we could see our father when we serve him. Jesus said that I and the father are one. If you've seen the father, you've seen me. And so by faith, we now get to enter into the presence of God through the work of Jesus Christ that he did in the dark. Maybe that's what's happening right now, that in the dark, it's hard to see it. But God is creating access 
to come into his presence and to get in places we never would have gotten into had we not gone through the dark. Now, let me show you verse 39. We still learning these lessons in the dark. Uh, Mark 15, verse 39, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Here was this Roman officer. This, he's a centurion. He, he, he oversee, he's an officer that oversees at least 100 other soldiers. And, and it wasn't until the darkness came, on the heels of the darkness, he was able to see Jesus for who he was. Remember, it was the Roman soldiers that arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the Roman soldiers that took Jesus to Pilate, then escorted him to Herod, and then escorted him back to Pilate. It was the Roman soldiers that whipped Jesus all night with those leather straps and they would put in meadow and glass at the end of those straps. So when they would whip Jesus, they would pull flesh from his body. That's why we talk about the broken body of our savior. It was the Roman soldiers that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the Roman soldiers that with that rope pulled Jesus up to die on the cross. And in all of that, in the sunshine, that, that officer didn't recognize who Jesus was. And Jesus did much of his ministry in the public. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, fed multitude. He did much of his ministry in the public, but in the sunshine, that Roman officer, he couldn't see who Jesus was. But when Jesus died on the cross and in that darkness and on the heels of that darkness, he said, surely this must be the son of God. I believe that in the darkness, some of us are like bats and owls. We are nocturnal. We see better in the dark. And that in the dark, God gives us a revelation about the person of Jesus so that we know who Jesus really is, that he's not just another man. He's not just another Jew. He's not just another preacher. He's not just a minister. He's not just a historical figure. But Jesus is the son of God. And for some of us, we couldn't see that in the sunshine when things were going well and we were in good health and the bills were paid and the children were doing okay. But now in the difficulty, in the devastation, in the darkness, we get a revelation about the person of Jesus. And I can say with this Roman officer, truly, Jesus is the son of God. And in darkness, uh, we're able to see that a whole lot better. Uh, it was in Isaiah chapter six, the prophet Isaiah said in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I want you to understand something that that God had always been high and lifted up. His glory had always filled the temple. But Isaiah didn't see it until the year King Uzziah died. Now, some people suggest that was simply a mark of time that Uzziah was so popular and and so rich and famous and uh, influential and had so much power that that people could mark time when he died that I it was the year King Uzziah died that's when I saw the Lord some people think it's just a mark of time you hear people talk about where they were when John F. Kennedy died in Dallas it marked time that Martin Luther King Jr. was such a great man you hear people talk about well when Martin Luther King died in Memphis Here's where I was. Here's what they use it to mark time. But I don't believe that Isaiah was just using Isaiah's death as a mark of time. I believe that Isaiah was so 
popular, so much prestige and prominence and power that Isaiah put him on a pedestal. And it wasn't until King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord. He was so busy looking at Uzziah, he missed God. And I believe in your life and in mine that God will allow darkness to come and he would allow some of the things in our lives to die so that we could get a clear view as to who God is and who Jesus is. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It was when Jesus died on the cross and that darkness came. Surely this must be the son of God. It wasn't until it got dark he was able to see that. My son, Jeffrey Allen Johnson II, he went to uh, Payne College in Augusta, Georgia for his undergrad work. And when Jay uh, was in school, his mom, uh, my wife, Lady Sharon, would fly down to Augusta every other week. She was going to check on our oldest son, first one in college, wanted to make sure everything was right and he was doing okay. Every other week, Lady Sharon was flying to Augusta, Georgia. And so Jay Allen called me from college and he said, Dad, uh, I have a I have an illustration for you. This is before he accepted his call to preach. He said, I got an illustration for you. I said, well, okay, well, give it to me. These illustrations are hard to come up with. Help a brother out. And he said, Dad, when mom flew down, she rented a Cherokee Jeep. I said, man, that's great. I love Cherokee Jeeps. And he said that when we went to church on Sunday, we went to hear Dr. Charles Goodman. Dr. Goodman is a great preacher, great pastor, looked out for my son when he was there. And, he, and then Jay said, when we left church, we went to get into the Cherokee Jeep and mom grabbed the keys out of her purse and the doors wouldn't open with the remote. We were using a remote and the doors wouldn't open on the Cherokee Jeep. I said, well, what'd y'all do? He said, dad, I'm trying to tell you, we took the key and started using it in each door and the key wouldn't open any of the doors of the Cherokee Jeep. I said, well, did y'all call the rental company? He said, no, that's not what we did. Uh, mom realized that those were not even the keys to the Cherokee Jeep we were trying to use to get in the door. Those were the keys to the Ford Mustang from back home. And I said, well, son, what's the insight you're getting from this? He said, dad, we were in the right place. We were just using the wrong key. And y'all, when things get difficult and devastation comes in and darkness set in, some of us think we have missed God. Maybe I'm in the wrong place, but I submit unto you, the issue may not be you're in the wrong place. You're in the right place. You're in the right city. You're in the right community. You go to the right church. You're connected with the right ministry. That's the right husband. That's the right wife for you. Those are the right children. Those are your right parents. The issue is sometimes we're in the right place, but we're using the wrong key. So many of us believe that our intellect and our academic achievements, that's the key to life. Some believe it's our careers and our cars and our cash. That's the key. Some believe is our prestige and prominence. No, you're in the right place. You've just been using the wrong key. The key is Jesus Christ. He's the key to life. The Apostle John says that Jesus can open doors that no one can close. And we always talk about he can close doors that can't nobody open. Jesus is the key. And y'all, God in darkness will help us to see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before to realize he indeed is the son of God. Now, let me get to the last thing. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus died on the cross. It got dark from 12 noon to three. And after he died, Joseph of Arimathea went and begged Pilate for the body of Jesus. And then Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Jesus and he took it and put him in the tomb 
that Joseph of Arimathea had bought for himself. You know, Joseph had this uh, pre-planned funeral arrangement. He had already talked to the funeral director, already paid for his funeral arrangements. He didn't want to leave that up to his family arguing once he's gone. So he had already written out his obituary. He had chosen the synagogue he wanted to have his funeral at. He had chosen who he wanted to sing and who, what minister he wanted to give the eulogy. He'd gone to the cemetery and he bought his, his plot out there for his grave. It was a cave that had a stone that would roll in front of it. And so Joseph took the body of Jesus and he put it in his tomb that was designed for Joseph. And Jesus was buried in that tomb. Matter of fact, the old black preacher says that it was a borrowed tomb. And the reason they said it was a borrowed tomb, because they said Jesus was going to give it back in three days. And so now Jesus in that cave with the stone rolled in front of it. And it was early that Sunday morning as the, uh, the Mark chapter 15 closes that some women were going to that tomb to finish the burial process of Jesus. They had bought spices, Mark said. And they weren't going out to the tomb uh, to look for a resurrected Christ. No, they were going to finish the burial process of Jesus. They couldn't finish it on Friday because Friday evening is the start of the Sabbath day. They couldn't do that kind of work on Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath day. They had to wait until it was Sunday morning. Matter of fact, one of the gospel writers said it was still dark. And in that darkness, those women made their way to that to that tomb, to the grave of Jesus. And when they got there, the stone had been rolled away. They didn't see the body of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 16, they said there was a man dressed in white, almost like he was waiting on them to get there. And he said, I know who you're looking for. Jesus is not here. He's risen as he said he would. Here's what I want you to get. That the lesson we learn is in the darkness that God will show up and God will raise us up out of a dead predicament. Y'all, it was a different day, but the same darkness. The gospel writer said it was still dark. Different day, same darkness, same difficulty, same devastation, same death. And in that darkness, God showed up and raised Jesus from the dead. And some of us, it's hard for us to get because when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, we like to say Jesus got up. But the Bible says God raised Jesus from the dead. And the apostle Paul said that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The lesson we learn is in our difficulty, in all of this darkness that we're saying, God has not given up on you, that God will show up and God will raise you up out of that dark predicament that you're in, out of that dead situation that you're in. That's the kind of God we serve. He moves in dark. And watch this. It was dark from 12 noon to 3. There was a, a time the darkness started, and there was a definite time that the darkness ended. Y'all, it's not going to be dark always. There's a definite time this darkness is going to stop. Y'all, it took a change to get you in your darkness. It'll take a change to get you out of your darkness. You got to do like Job. All the days of my point of time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. Because that darkness is not going to last forever. That's why our grandparents used to say, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. In your darkness, don't jump off a bridge. Don't slit your wrist. Don't turn to drugs and alcohol. Don't turn your back on God. Don't walk away from Christ and the church and the kingdom. Because God will show up in your darkness. Trouble 
don't last always. God will raise you up out of that. And I know we're wondering why all that darkness at the time of Jesus death. My childhood pastor cleared that up for me. My childhood pastor said the reason it got dark when Jesus was dying on the cross is because you don't need two suns shining at the same time. And when the S-O-N of God was shining in a way to save our souls, we didn't need the S-U-N to shine because Jesus was moving even in the darkness. And my word to you is in these dark times that God is giving us access to his presence and the places you never would have gotten in had you not gone through this darkness. And we learn that God is revealing Jesus to us in a way that we haven't been able to see him until it got dark and that God does show up in the darkness and he raises us up out of dead predicaments. Let me close it like this. It was in 2003 that there were uh, eight states in our nation that had a blackout, had a power outage. I believe it started over in Canada and then came through Michigan and went through eight states all the way to New York, a power outage, a blackout, no lights, no power. Uh, churches were in a blackout, businesses in a power outage, uh, skyscrapers, everything went dark. But in that time in 2003, the Statue of Liberty in New York was still standing and still shining and people were trying to figure out, wait a minute, if it's a power outage, in New York, had all the lights out, but the Statue of Liberty, she's still standing and she's still shining. Come to find out that the Statue of Liberty doesn't get her power source from New York. The Statue of Liberty gets her power source from the neighboring state of New Jersey. So when there was a blackout and a power outage in New York, the Statue of Liberty could still stand and shine because even though she's in New York, her power source is from another place. Yes, y'all, these are difficult times. Yes, these are devastating times. Yes, these are dark times in our country and dark times in our world. But as Christians, we can still stand and we can still shine. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Yes, you're dealing with the darkness, but you have a power source from another place. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You can still stand. You can still serve God and you can still shine. When I was in Sunday school as a youngster, they used to teach us a song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine all in my home, all on my job, all in my school, all in my neighborhood. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. So continue in this dark world to let your light shine because your power source is from another place. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. I thank God that you streamed. It's not by accident you tuned in today to hear about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So those of you who've never invited Christ into your life, maybe what's going on is for you to get a good look at Jesus to see he's our Savior, he's the Son of God. And so I want you, if you've never invited Christ into your life, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you call upon the name of the Lord. And when you believe what we're praying at that very moment, you become a Christian. The son of God moves in your life. God becomes your father, Jesus, your big brother, and the Holy Spirit, your keeper. 
So let's take time to do that right now. I want you to invite Christ into your life for forgiveness of sin. Repeat after me in prayer. Father, I come right now. I acknowledge my sin. I know I've done wrong. Please, Father, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe you raised him from the dead. I receive him by faith in my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.